Hi, everyone. Thank you so much uh, for joining us today. My name is Anthony Diaz, and this is the Pop Health Show. This show is for anyone that has a strong passion for making people healthier in this world. And along those lines, I'm really excited and enthused to have my guest today. We're, we, we have on our show today, Melissa Larkin Skinner. So Melissa is the Chief Executive Officer at Centerstone of Florida. I'm not gonna steal her thunder. She's done some awesome things in health. She continues to do some awesome things in health. Uh, Melissa, welcome to the show. Thank you, it's my pleasure to be here. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, well, thank you for making time. Really excited to have you on. And, you know, I'm always curious on origin stories, you know, where where things started off and what led people to, to go down the path that they're, they're working on. So maybe you can teleport us back and, and take us back and tell me a little bit about your origin story. You know, what led you to become the person you are today? So, uh, I tell this story a lot, actually. I was in college. I was a biology major thinking about being a doctor. And that mm. all started with an anatomy and physiology class that I had in high school and a visit from a local epidemiologist. And I thought, that sounds really cool. Um, mm. I can help people that way. And then while I was in college, I had to take, actually in my junior year, I had to take an intro to psychology course. And mm. once I took that class, I fell in love um, with the mental health and addiction field. Mm -hmm. And so I switched my major and started working toward a degree in psychology. I started volunteering at my organization where I am now the CEO. That was about 26 or so years ago. And, um, I, I, you know, that's it. I just fell in love with it. So then mm. I, I took a couple years off to try to decide, okay, what do I want to do with a psychology degree? I knew I wanted to be a therapist, but what kind of therapist? I wasn't sure. So mm. I actually found a program called Rehabilitation Counseling. It focused a lot on medical issues and disabilities and the effect that that has on mental health and the effect mental health has on those issues as well. So uh, that is my story. And uh, the rest of it basically is that I was a volunteer here and 20 plus years later, I'm CEO. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And um, yeah, I'm right there with you. And um, it's super exciting. I, I guess, you know, to be able to impact health is obviously all you know, in the mind, the health is mental and, uh, you know, so is addiction and, you know, so many, it, it's complicated though as well, but I can imagine it's very rewarding. And then it takes a special person to kind of lead in this area, to, to care for people in this area and a, and a level of benevolence, um, and really a, a strong, you know, service to others focus. Uh, Melissa, can you tell me a little bit about, you know, what you're working on today or more importantly, what you're doing today that really stirs your passion for health. And, you know, if you'd like to go deeper into what Centerstone does, love to hear about that as well. Sure. So throughout my career, I, I'm a licensed mental health counselor. And throughout mm -hmm. my career, I've worked in a variety of uh, levels, what we call levels of care. So inpatient, outpatient, in the community. I've worked with all populations, people in crisis, people coming into clinics, um, I've been out in the community trying to get people to come off the streets and that really is what my passion uh, is driven by. Helping people who other people maybe don't want to help, 
helping people who, and, and being a voice for people whose voices have somewhat been silenced that we don't always listen to. Um, and so what I've done actually in the latter part of my career, right before becoming CEO, I was the chief clinical officer. And then now as CEO for the past almost three years, I'm focusing a lot on not me personally doing direct service delivery, although I do it as much as I can. Mm-hmm. When I have the opportunity, I focus a lot on policy work and, and funding issues. Mm-hmm. You know, we still have a long way to go in this country and across the world uh, with mental health and addiction treatment, as well as prevention. Mm. So throughout my career, I've provided treatment primarily, and my focus now and what I'm really passionate about is using my experiences, my observations, and also pulling in folks who've had you know, lived experience and received treatment at our, our place, plus you know, any other place for that matter that mm-hmm. provides treatment, and having our voices be louder, I guess. Um, mm-hmm trying to get the community motivated, trying to get legislators motivated to take a serious look at what what can we do better? How can we do it better to make sure that we are working toward the long-term goal of preventing suicide, preventing violence, and preventing addiction? Mm-hmm. No, I, I love it. And it's, it's super exciting, Melissa. Yeah, obviously, as you you know, focus in this area for a long time, you can, you know, you've probably gotten very good and natural at, at providing care, but, you know, being so deep in this area, you know, focusing your efforts on leading and policy work probably just does seem like, um, you know, you can affect processes and flows, you know, at a much greater, greater level. So it's super exciting um, to see. And um, so one dimension I'd love to understand a little bit more is, um, you know, how do people come to receive your services? Are, are um, they, they coming in through insurance? Or are they coming in just from your website? Um, how do people that need help, uh, and is it is it more, you know, your service, your organization servicing um, mainly, is it is it mental, is it addiction, is it all the above? What's the, what's the um, you know, the composure of, of clients, um, you know, from a distribution standpoint or percentage standpoint um, of, your, of your clients that you serve? Sure. So, uh, people can come to us any number of ways. And and so Centerstone of Florida is actually part of a larger system. We're in five states total. I am the CEO of the Florida operations. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see about 16,000 or so people here in six counties in Florida. Uh, we do mental health and addictions. We've been integrated that way for a very long time. Uh, that is not the case everywhere, but one of the things I'm excited about for the future is that we're getting more and more integrated as an industry. Um, people come to us sometimes uh, when they don't think they're ready, but their families are like, please, please go in. Or they run across someone in the community, a physician or law enforcement who says, you know, you really need to, to go and get some help. We're worried mm-hmm. about your safety. Uh, people come to us when they're just having a really hard time uh, for some unfortunately it's you know when they feel like they've hit rock bottom and they have no place else to turn mm-hmm. others come you know sooner when maybe for whatever reason they've received some education or 
or had an epiphany and realized that they could feel better. And one way to do that is to be able to get mental health treatment. Um, therapy goes a long way to helping us all feel better in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, my What's interesting about something that has occurred to me in the last couple of years is when I first started my career, we really sort of saw mental illness as something that would just get worse. Mm-hmm. Um, wouldn't necessarily get better, especially if you're talking about something like schizophrenia or bipolar disorder or major depression. Mm-hmm. But what we've realized over time, and we have, you know, programs that have proven it over and over is that it doesn't have to get worse. And not only does it not have to get worse, but in the last decade, we've realized, you know what, we need to not focus so much on the symptoms and all the negative things and just trying to prevent homelessness and uh, jail time arrests or hospitalizations. We really need to be focused on helping people thrive. Mm -hmm. We focus on helping people thrive. Those other things will not be as big of a problem. They're going to naturally be prevented, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, no, no, it's, it's super exciting. I mean, what you're doing and, and, and where, where, um, you know, what you're focusing on is shaping up for a very interesting, you know, future in health. Um, and, 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 you know, mental is everything I, I, I firmly believe. Um, I love to hear a little bit more on, um, the future of mental health, you know, where do you see mental health rehabilitation, um, and the type of services that you provide. And you can tell me a little bit about, you know, what policies and things that, what, what other type of mechanisms out there do you want to see unlocked or get to the next level from a policy standpoint, but also what, what does the future of health look like, um, from your perspective, Melissa? So there are several things. One is more integration. So we've been working toward integration between mental health and addiction treatment for some time. We still have work to do as an industry. Um, we've also been working in the last five to 10 years on better integration with medical health. I believe that that really is the future. And uh, I think that people eventually will be able to go to one place and get all of the services they need versus having to bounce around, you know, between perhaps their psychiatrist and their primary care physician and the specialist um, for addiction treatment. I, I think that what we all want is kind of a one-stop shop because it's much more convenient. It's much more coordinated and therefore will result in better outcomes. Another uh, factor is telehealth and technology in general. Mm. Really being able to leverage technology to increase access to care, um, whether it's receiving services from some provider, like a licensed psychiatrist or therapist, via telehealth or chat, or having technology at your fingertips that perhaps you can use without even having a provider immediately available to you but that helps you kind of get through your day or get through moments uh, where you're not feeling quite yourself and and you need a little bit of extra support. So those are the, Mm. those are some really big things. Mm -hmm. Um, I have to tell you though, excites me the most is the huge change regarding stigma. Mm. 
there's always been a lot of stigma around mental health and addictions. Right. Uh, you know, there was a time where people hid their family members struggling with those issues. But uh, we've reached a point where that is not the case anymore. Mm-hmm. And in the 26 years that I've been in this business, there's been a huge change really going from, you know, we kind of still hit it or we were quiet about it. We wouldn't admit we were going to see a psychiatrist or a therapist to really, especially our newest generations, they, they are not hiding it. They're like, Hey, my mental health is important and I'm getting, uh, or I'm seeing a therapist or getting treatment or whatever, you know, they're doing, uh, because I want to feel better and I want to thrive. And I mm-hmm. think that is a huge shift that has just occurred during my tenure in this industry. Mm. I love it. I love it. Now it's exciting to hear what your your uh, you know the future what what you know sh- uh, where we're shaping up to to go in this future. And and, and I, I definitely you know agree with you wholeheartedly of what's going on and what's uh, to transpire. Uh, I'm kind of curious, Melissa. You know, a lot of our listeners, uh, everyone, as you know, probably has a friend or family member that is in need of maybe mental health services. All of us do, right? All of us are not perfect, right? And so what would you say to a listener that maybe has a family member or friend that is struggling with their mental health or addiction? Where do you start? Any kind of always like do's and don'ts that you say? And and a lot of our listeners are all over the country, you know, all over the world. Um, But what what are some common things that you... uh, you do besides obviously we'll, we'll, we'll start off with a disclaimer, right? <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I'd love to hear kind of like how you, you know, what, what are some recommendations just from doing this so long, you know, so, where, where, how do you, yeah. The first thing that I would always tell people is to be kind and that mm. goes not just for the people who are friends and family and other loved ones, but also just to people in general, you mm-hmm. never know what someone is experiencing. Mm-hmm. So try to remember that. And even if they're being cranky with you, be kind back. Mm-hmm. It could be going through some really serious stuff. Mm. Don't be afraid to ask. Uh, suicide in particular is one of those things that we're, you know, across the world and even in the U.S., and including the state of Florida, the suicide rate has been rising for the past several decades mm-hmm. and you know there are efforts to try to get it down and really the goal is to get to zero suicide mm-hmm. my goal really my dream is that never again will anyone feel so bad right that they believe suicide is their only answer mm-hmm. um and the biggest thing is for you know the average person out there if you are concerned at all do not be afraid to ask, do you feel like you want to hurt yourself in some way? Or do you feel like you want to die and talk through it with the person? And perhaps even before you do that or right after, try to educate yourself on what resources are available so that as you talk to the person or right after you can help them find out what are the resources that are available to help them feel better. That is a really important thing. Uh, Another thing is the National Council of Behavioral Health here in the United States. That's our biggest trade association. They've really um, worked with an organization out of Australia to uh, spread something called mental health first aid. 
and youth mental health first aid and now teen mental health first aid. And I would recommend to anyone that if that is available in their community to try to avail themselves of it, because mm. what it does is it really teaches anybody, you do not have to be in the industry about some common mental health issues, common misconceptions, and then gives you some guidance on what you can do to help other people and kind of point them in the right direction. Mm, mm, no, I, I love it. Thank you so much for, I think, this guidance and, and consideration. And obviously your first tip is sometimes a common sense one, but a, but a, one that's over forgotten, right? And then when you're dealing with mental health, I can imagine, you know, just being kind and that dignity, you know, is the preface for anything, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, and you've probably seen it and I've seen it as well, you know, no matter what mental state someone is, you know, love and consideration is still a kind of a universal kind of medium that breaks through a lot of what's going on in it. And, and so having that context, I think is important. Um, and, and so thank you for that. Yeah. And I'm sure our listeners are going to benefit from that, that framework. And then, you know, uh, my almost my very last question here, Melissa, is, um, you know, you've been in mental health for a while. You've seen probably so much and, you know, you probably had to compartmentalize a lot and, and see and deal with a lot of, you know, trauma and different spectrums. You know, what do you, what is something that you do, you know, leading your company in this area? Is, it's a double, it's a double thing, right? Because <laughs> it's like you're growing a company, you're leading a company and you're, um, you're in the mental health space and rehabilitation space, but, but um, what's something you do to stay healthy and resilient and to stay, you know, clear of mind? Um, meditation, um, you know, working out, yoga, just kind of curious on any rituals or habits that you've adopted to, to stay clear so you can, you know, continue to be of service to others. You know, that's a really good question. <laughs> I am um, very passionate about what I do and I identify mm -hmm. strongly with what I do and this organization and all of our clients and all of our staff. But I do recognize it's important for me to be healthy uh, so that I can make sure that this organization is successful and that we can meet all the needs of the folks in our community who need us and the needs of the people who work here that are doing all the hard work. And I have seen a lot and some of it is very traumatizing. But what I try to remember is what if I wasn't here? Mm -hmm. What if right. this organization wasn't here? Where would they have to go? Mm -hmm. who, who would help? And I just can't imagine a world without us here. So I just have to periodically take a step back you know, it's been my everything, really, <laughs> as far as professional work goes. And I do several things. I travel when I can. I'm getting ready to actually go to Europe for two weeks. Uh, and that's good for me. That in cruises because I can shut down my email, shut down my phone and completely disconnect. I play video games, believe it or not. <laughs> I, awesome. uh, yeah, I fish. We have a boat. We live on the west coast of Florida, right on the Gulf. So right. we have a boat and I have two cats I adore and I love on them. Mm -hmm. And let's see, what else do I do? I, I uh, go to live music performances. I actually read recently live music can be as therapeutic as yoga. So mm. I don't do yoga, although I would like to, but I go to live music performances instead. Nice, nice. And uh, gosh, that's 
probably what I do the most of. I do play volleyball with friends. I used to coach. Mm-hmm. So now I just play for fun and exercise. Nice. So those are probably the main things. And then I just, you know, when I am having a hard time, I'm very open about it. You know, uh, I think a lot of CEOs or any leaders think, you know, I need to be strong for my staff and strong Mm -hmm. for everybody. And you know what? Some days are hard. And Mm -hmm. I think showing our humanity uh, can never be wrong. Right. So I just, I share it. And and sharing it, I, of course, hope to get something out of it myself. Sometimes just talking about things helps, which is why therapy is so effective. Mm -hmm. And also my hope is that whoever I'm sharing with can get something out of it as well. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah, no, I love the vulnerability and um, I really love the video game aspect too. You know, it's, I, I need to, you know, I know Apple just released Apple Arcade, so you're inspiring me to try a game on Apple TV today. <laughs> and I can use it as an excuse to play with my son. Um, but, uh, and then the, the, yeah, I read that as well. You know, I heard about concerts and live music, like people that go to concerts frequently are somehow like this longevity thing, you know, they live a lot longer and they're happier than those that don't. So, um, but, uh, Melissa, this is great. Um, I want to say, so thank you so much for, you know, peeling off time to do this, um, social media wise, connection wise, um, what would be a good way for our listeners to get in touch with you, maybe through LinkedIn or, or, or such, if uh, if they'd like to get a hold of you? Yes. Yeah, so LinkedIn is the best option. And my name is really unusual, so I should be easy to find. It's mm-hmm. Melissa and then Larkin dash Skinner. Got uh, it. R-K-I-N dash S-K-I-N-N-E-R. Perfect. Perfect. Well, you know, a few things. I uh, really appreciate not just your story, but your background, your passion, your growth in this area, your presence uh, in this area, for, you know, leading a charge, uh, you know, in a critical health space, in a critical sector of the U.S. And, uh, you know, it's just great and exciting to see the innovations that you guys are doing, the work that you're doing, the, you know, ascension to focusing on policy and, you know, social mechanisms that can, you know, pave the way for even greater care. And, uh, and I'm sure you, you didn't talk about it as much as I'm sure that's going on, but the mentorship that you're doing and the education and growth you're doing for your staff and for the caregivers, um, you know, around you, um, you know, and growing that next generation is, is probably, you know, even, you know, just as super profound. So thank you so much for, for making time to do this with me. I, you know, really appreciate it. You are very welcome. It's my pleasure. And, uh, another way to find me and to find services that perhaps are in your state is centerstone.org. Okay. My organization is in five or six different states, so if people need help, we are out there. Perfect. Perfect. We'll link to that in the show notes, and this is perfect. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we've got some good listeners. And so our listeners out there, again, you know, this is the Pop Health Show. The show is for people that have a strong passion for making people healthier in this world. And, you know, if you do have friends and family members, listeners that, you know, are struggling, you know, look up a center stone that might be in your state or a similar service if one is not available and definitely take, uh, take, uh, you know, listen to this, uh, re-listen to this full episode, send it out to your friends. Uh, and, uh, Melissa, this was great. Thank you so much for making time. <laughs> Thank you, Anthony. Thank you. <laughs>